Hello and welcome back to day three of 101 Controversial Baseball Topics. This is obviously the third day and I've had a lot of fun with this and we have a bunch, bunch of good topics um, up ahead here today. Obviously yesterday went well and uh, I'm actually recording this on the same day uh, because I am leaving on a trip to Las Vegas. So now I have a bunch of these episodes to schedule out and to be able to put out for you guys over the next few days. Because I want to be able to finish the series up and then move on from here. Uh, And also to add, a lot of these I'm going to try to make into podcast episodes, just going over it, because I want my podcast to be more short form stuff to start and eventually move into long form uh, content because I feel like I need to earn that right to do long form because I don't think people should click on my thing and be like, yeah, I'm going to listen to an hour of this guy talk. You'd never go up to a stranger and be like, hey, can you talk for an hour? No, you'd be like, hey, can you talk for like 10 minutes? That's what I'm trying to do, try to build that up. And then uh, once I become good at this, excuse me, oh, <coughs> oh bless me, thank you. Uh, we can start to move in other stuff and maybe with that comes YouTube, but Let's get right into this. We ended at number 54. So we're starting with 54. What will the next wave of new stadiums look like? Okay, we've seen this on the, in other sports. We've seen this specifically in football. These stadiums are incredibly futuristic. The closest thing we have in baseball is the Marlins Park that has added a bunch of different things. Like they have literally a, a tank, like an aquarium tank right behind home plate with like unbreakable glass or something, which I think is sick. I think it's so cool. Um, but, uh, it'll be a while for baseball to fully, uh, change that because obviously it's such an old time game. Things want to, people want to keep things traditional, especially with the, uh, in baseball, it's a lot different with tradition because we have stadiums that are still 102 years old. And, uh, so they're not, they're not going to be changing things, anything, a- anytime soon. Uh, how should baseball honor Roberto Clemente for, oh, for having opened so many doors for Latin American players. I think um, we should we should treat him like a Jackie Robinson of Latin American players because before him, there wasn't really no Latin American players at all. And even with his donations and the way he died, the way he passed away, uh, he still did it heroically. He was going over to, uh, I forget which country, was it like Panama or something like that? And... Uh, he was going to donate and like spend time over there. But yes, I think we should honor him the same way we honored Jackie Robinson for Latin American players. I are, I could argue, I, a lot of people would argue that we should retire Roberto Clemente's number across the league because some people believe that he actually made just as big of an impact as Jackie Robinson. But at the time that America was in with Jackie Robinson, it was a little uh, more racial issues and it was a bigger deal when it came to that. Who would you want in a Game 7, Bob Gibson or Sandy Koufax? Uh, Sandy Koufax. Bob Gibson was really good when the game uh, preferred pitchers and favored the pitcher. Sandy Koufax was dominant in every game he pitched. Simple as that. And lefties have dominated the game for as long as we can remember. What actually makes a curveball curve and how much of it is an optical illusion? This is interesting. Uh, it, it's all in the wrist. It. I've know some people who can throw a good curve. Well, I have some friends who can, and I've heard some professionals talk about it. It's really, it does curve. It's not really an optical illusion. That thing is really dropping. It really does curve, and it does make a huge impact on the game. Obviously, it's not like a wiffle ball, but with a baseball curving, it is 
it looks like an optical illusion, but it's really not. And it's all about the wrist and just the spin you get on the ball. Uh, now that Banner Day is back, which, if any of these baseball artifacts is worth reviving, doubleheaders, AstroTurf, Oregon Music, Bat Day. Uh, I think doubleheaders. I think that I think it's really cool, and I know some some teams that still do organ music, so uh, that's not a big deal. But double headers, double headers is just a classic baseball um, event. I mean, like double headers have decided ends of games essentially. I mean, ends of seasons is essentially. And when it comes down to that, double headers, you get to play two games in one day. You don't know what's going to happen. You're facing different players pretty much every game. Uh, I pitchers specifically. And then you got to be strategic with pinch hitters and players you use in the bullpen. I think they should bring back double headers more often. Uh, how many current big leaguers know what playing pepper means and how much are they missing by not playing the old hand-eye coordination game? There are not many players who still do it. I think a lot of the players that do it are more the leadoff hitters, the ones that can bunt, the ones that uh, the second baseman. I think D Gordon does it really well. Um, obviously, like, Older players like Tony Gwynn played it well. Ricky Henderson did. Uh, there's not many. The game has turned into a power game, and it's not it's not playing Pepper anymore. If baseball is ever forced to adopt a contraction plan and fold two franchises, which teams should go? This is interesting. Um, as good as they are right now, I would fold the Rays. Uh, the way that they've handled that franchise and the way they've handled the fan base, the stadium, where they play is just really underwhelming. I'd do them. And I'd fold, oh man, this is tough, Mariners. Uh, I think those are two teams that just, uh, they've struggled with the market. Um, I think you 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 could argue the Diamondbacks or the Rockies. I Okay, let's do this. Uh, Mariners, Rockies. Rockies, there's so many issues with that thin air. And the people, it's a terrible team, first of all. And there's no good pitchers that ever come out of the Rockies. Mariners, they have some good seasons. Can't do anything. I think the league would be okay without the Mariners and the Rockies. I think they'd be totally okay. Um, let's see here. Will the with the Wilpons having received good news in the Mandoff State settlement, which can when can Mets fans look forward to good news about the ball club uh, until they start winning? And they just have because they have good players now. Um, how would the boss have responded to having spent nearly $2 billion on payroll during the past 11 years and winning only half as many titles as the Red Sox, <coughs> Red Sox and Cardinals? Who's the boss? Is that the... Uh, I'm going to be honest. I don't even know who the boss is. Is that the, that the Yankees guy? Um, I don't know. It looks like a... Oh, it's a movie. It's a movie. Oh, okay. I have no idea. I'm not even going to talk about that because I don't even know. Uh, why do players sometimes dive into first base when studies show it is quicker to run? Uh, first of all, sometimes it looks really cool. And I think in the mind of the runner, they're not thinking about the science. They're saying, if I can dive there, it's going to be faster if I can extend my body to the base than if I was running. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is quicker to run. But sometimes you think diving, just dive to get there even though it essentially really doesn't make that much of a difference. I think it's just a, it's an impulse decision. <coughs> is the total of on-base percentage and slugging percentage the best measure of a hitter's value? No, I, I there's the OPS. It, it's not, um, 
I mean, it's a good it's a good stat in my opinion, but in no way is it the best measure of a hitter's value. I think WAR, I think accounting for how many wins and the team success that player had when it, when it was hitting when they were hitting, I think that's that's the best way. Uh, can a team possibly get anything close to an equal return if it trades Babe Ruth, Tom Seaver, or any icon at his peak? No, absolutely not. No, um, because obviously there's no like realistic trade. And at the time, Babe Ruth. I mean, he, he is the GOAT of baseball. And there's nothing, regardless of if you get a bunch of good players, you can't fill those shoes. Same with Tom Seaver. Those guys changed the game of baseball forever. They changed their teams. They were single-handedly the reason that those teams succeeded. Now, Babe Ruth, some of those teams in the 1920s could have done without him, and they could have done okay, but not as good. Will Derek Jeter eventually move to another position or will he just retire when he can't play shortstop anymore? Obviously, we know the answer. He never did. This is from a little while ago. This was before Jeter retired. Um, but no, he never moved. Is it a good idea to expand rosters to 40 on September 1st or is it unfair to have minor leaguers in big games? It's not unfair. If you can get the guy if they're good enough and you give him the chance, I think it's totally okay. In the draft, should you go with the most talented player, no matter what his age is, or play it safe and take a college guy? Okay, this is interesting because with baseball, majority of the time, it, it takes a long time for these players to get going. And um, I, I, I'd go, um, I'd take the younger guy if he's more talented. Uh, college guy, he's already old. This, this has happened with Jacob deGrom. This has happened with a lot of pitchers. It takes him forever to get to the big leagues, and especially position players. You're taking a 22-year-old. 20, I mean, this has happened with... Um, Corey Ray in the in the Brewers system, he's like 26. They're listing him as a bust almost. I mean, you have to go fast in the major leagues. If you're not in the league by like 24, 25, it's almost too late. Just because of how competitive is competitive it is, and how comp- how hard it is to get to the major leagues. I'm taking a talented 18 year old over a safe pick college guy with more experience easily. Why is there uh, Kier Walling? Every year about which players aren't chosen for the All-Star game, followed by complaining that the game is meaningless. People people who say the game is meaningless don't love the game of any sport. That is, uh, watching the best players in the world compete in one game is one of the best things that sports has ever done. Uh, and a lot of people complain because the All-Star, if you are picked as an All-Star, it doesn't matter how good you are. You are an All-Star for life. And that's something that a lot of players and a lot of fans hold dear to their heart. Near and dear to their heart. Um, being an all-star, it just means a ton to these guys and to the, the fans of the team. So sometimes if a player's robbed, uh, they get upset. And that's just how it goes, I guess. Um, it's just, I don't know. It, it's kind of like the MVP, except everyone gets an MVP. Uh, Billy Martin or Joe, Joe Torre, Gil Hodges or Davey Johnson. I'll, I will go with uh, Joe Torre and Gil Hodges. Um, if we're choosing out of those two and out of those four, I would choose Joe Torre. Um, in 1972, there were nine African-American starters in the All-Star game. Holy cow. In 2011, there were four. 1964, the Cardinals had four African-American players in the lineup for Game 7 of the World Series. In Game 7 of 2011, the Cardinals had none. 65 years after Jackie Robinson's breakthrough, how can baseball again attract top black athletes? Um, uh, this is a little touchy, I guess, and I don't exactly have an opinion on this because I, this is not something I experience. Um, but I think a lot of these teams there, I will say it, there is a bias t- 
towards white athletes. There's bias towards white players in baseball, especially because for forever, baseball is thought of as a white guy's sport. And a lot of people think it's just a Hispanic guy's sport, like a Latin American guy's sport. And black athletes have kind of been left in the dust, if I'm going to be honest. And I I don't know what they have to do. I, that is not really my decision. Um, but I think there is a bias, and it's pretty obvious. And also, a lot of times, you just got to choose the best player. And if it happens to be white, then that is what you have to do. But I, yet again, had them having none, I mean, that's that's interesting. I mean, I don't know. That's weird. I didn't even know that. But yeah, it's a little it's disappointing. Uh, has a player ever presented a more honest question to sitting to a sitting president than when Babe Ruth, upon being introduced to Calvin Coolidge on a sultry Washington day, said, "Hot as hell, ain't it, Prez?" That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Hot as hell, ain't it, Prez? Yeah, that's the best question ever. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, you can't know. Never. Uh, where does City Field Shake Shack rate among the best ballpark concessions and what else is on the short list? Uh, AJ Bombers at Brewers, bro. That place is so good. I haven't even been to another baseball stadium. Uh, Global Life Park, if y'all have ever been there. Uh, I took a tour there. Dude, they got so much stuff there. It's unbelievable. Uh, City Field, I know that they're famous for that, so I'll give that to them. Uh, should you sell your Honest Wagner baseball card now or hold on to it? Okay, um, this is weird because obviously, the, if you don't know, the Honest Wagner baseball card is the most valuable sports card to ever be produced in the history of the world. I think it sold for over $2 million, $3 million maybe, uh, because the reason it was so rare is because they were in cigarette packs, and he said, no, I don't support that, and so they stopped making it. There are none left. Like I think there's only like five ever made. So that's why it was so rare, and obviously Honest Wagner, one of the greatest, greatest baseball players of all time. He played in the eight, late 1800s and early 1900s, but he would crush it in today's game as well. Um, I would hold on to it, because it just only goes up in value. I mean, you're not you're not hurting anything by selling it now, and I think holding on to it would actually benefit you more, but um, I would hold on to it if it was my choice. Uh, who has the best starting rotation in baseball? Right now, the uh, the New York Dodgers, the LA Dodgers, easily. What record is least likely ever to be broken? Uh, Ricky Anderson's uh, stolen base record. It will never be ro- broken, ever, ever, ever be broken. Stealing is not a game; it is not a part of the game anymore. Um, a, a, a player would have to average like sixty stolen bases a year for like fifteen years. And they still wouldn't even break the record, and players don't even steal 30 anymore. Uh, okay. No, so it won't be broken. We're just going to do a few more here. We're going to do about three more, and that'll be today's episode. Given that Dodgers outfielder Matt Kemp had the highest war rating, a statistic measuring how much more he meant to his team than a hypothetical AAA replacement, shouldn't he have been the 2011 National League Most Valuable Player? Uh, I know Ryan Braun won it that year, but in my opinion, Matt Kemp should have. Oh, there's a lot of things going on with Ryan Braun and Matt Kemp actually had better numbers, so I gotta give it to him. Yes, he should. Why is stealing base stealing signs from the bases or dugout considered part of the game while peeking from the batter's box to see the catcher's signal is considered cheating? I think because the whole point of uh, this is tough because now we have this whole cheating scandal, the stealing signs scandal. There's one thing 
I think they're trying to eliminate how much the batter actually gets an advantage. So if the batter actually can see the signs, because you're not 100% guaranteed that the pit, the guys on the bench in the dugout are going to get it right, you don't you don't want the batter to get that much of an edge. Um, is it fair game to call for a squeeze play in the ninth inning of an exhibition game? Sure, it's part of the game. Last one here. What is the biggest obstacle to the Orioles snapping their 14-year streak of losing records, their ownership, or their brutal division competition? Ownership, 100%. You can't control the division competition. Uh, it is an obstacle, but their obstacle is ownership. It is the worst ownership in baseball, and they can't get it going. They don't have pitchers. They don't have hitters. They have a catcher because they just drafted him number one overall like two years ago. He's not even on the team yet. The team should be okay this year, but it's absolutely disgusting, and the ownership is terrible because they don't know how to build around anybody. So that is my Orioles rant, but that will do it for today's episode. And I will see you guys tomorrow for day four. We are wrapping this series up. I'm having a lot of fun with this, and these will stem off into other podcasts. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I will see you guys tomorrow.